Before we get started with today's episode, we want to issue a content warning. We will be discussing about sensitive topics today like trauma, self-image and self-confidence issues, sexual-related trauma, narcissistic parents and abuse, and grief and loss. We won't be going too into detail on any one of these topics, but it does get mentioned and we wanted to let you know so that you would be able to listen at your discretion. Stay safe and take care, friends. Hello and welcome to the Webtoon Room. I'm Will. And I'm Crudy. And today we're here to do something a little bit different. We know Webtoons for having wonderful stories, engaging romances that you know, for many of us, are an escape for our regular everyday lives. But today we want to cover webtoons that incorporated very real, very human topics, very sensitive topics in a lot of ways that are impactful to a lot of us in our everyday real lives. And the way that they do so with such sensitivity, such warmth, and such care. And we want to do those stories justice and talk a little bit about them because media, whether we like it or not, impacts us greatly in the way that we take in and understand things about our world. And it's beautiful to have stories like this in Webtoons, and we want to share our appreciation of some of that with you. I hope you'll be okay joining us as the both of us get a little bit personal today, but it should be good. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that we're going about it in a way that's not too heavy. These are still fantastic stories, fantastic Webtoons, and... We're excited to start talking about him. Let's get into it. Before we get started today, I would like to offer a spoiler warning for a couple of different webtoons. We are going to talk about them as though you have read the entirety of the webtoon. If you are not okay with spoilers for specific webtoons, we have included timestamps in the description. There'll be spoilers for Cursed Princess Club, Space Boy, Gourmet Hound, Freakin' Romance, and Lore Olympus. Anyway, on with the episode. I think this will be a really good one, Will. I think this is going to be a very important episode, and I am excited as well because we're going to be talking about a couple of webtoons that we haven't mentioned on the podcast before. Yeah, and we're not going to be season reviewing them, but we'll still be talking about them and some of the story beats that we relate to really personally, or at least may have a lot to say on. Absolutely. And if you do want to check out some of the full season reviews that we have done for uh, some of these other webtoons, we have season reviews out for Cursed Princess Club and Lower Olympus that you can check out. Yeah, it's kind of fitting that our first episode and the first webtoon we're going to be talking about today is Cursed Princess Club. This is a webtoon that Curdy and I love to read week by week and to binge. And one of the themes we wanted to touch on is the very real self-confidence and self-image issues that some of the characters face in Cursed Princess Club. Absolutely. Cursed Princess Club, I mean, first of all, it feels so good to be talking about it after such a long time because this was our first episode. Um, so it's great to revisit these characters. But it's also really wonderful to be able to really get to the heart of what makes Cursed Princess Club such a cathartic, lovely read. The way this webtoon covers 
topics that so many of us experience. You know, the struggle to accept ourselves, the struggle to love ourselves that Gwendolyn experiences after she hears Frederick calling her ugly. Even the experience of being sheltered by the world a little bit and then starting to have a little bit of a broken self-perception of yourself after you go out and experience some of the world and you leave the nest, so to speak, a little bit. And even some of the shame and comparison that Gwendolyn feels after she hears Frederick calling her ugly. This is all such relatable stuff. It is, and especially because of how Gwendolyn takes it to heart and how sometimes we, we as people can take things really, really, really deep and maybe go too far with it and let it affect our lives negatively. Yeah, and I think Gwen's experience of dealing with these feelings, which she's not really equipped to deal with, this is the first time she's feeling something like this, and I think we can all relate to that kind of a feeling. She doesn't have the best coping strategies for it. She's very young. She's 17 or she's 16, actually. And she's still figuring out life. She's trying to learn about life and learn more about herself with the help of the Cursed Princess Club. And so Gwen's coping mechanisms include helping others and focusing and worrying about others so that she, one, doesn't have to face her own problems, but two, Gwen is such a naturally sweet and empathetic person that she wants to think of other people's because there's a part of her that doesn't feel that she's worthy of the help and care that she gives to others. So she's ended up repressing her own thoughts as a result of that. Yeah, there are points in the story where she is offered help, but she's blind to it. And it's a major point later on where someone tells her, hey, Gwen, you can only see the things that you want to see. And this is especially notable when she finally realizes what Frederick was trying to ask her with the gala ticket. It is definitely just a big moment of growth for the both of them, and it's really beautiful to see. And part of that growth is shown in a couple of very important standout episodes, in my opinion. In episode 43, Gwen has a chat with Prez, the president of the Cursed Princess Club. And Gwen initially had thought that the giant crack in the mirror that she kept seeing was a curse, that somehow she got cursed and, you know, that's why she couldn't see her face anymore. But Prez sits her down and very gently explains that she doesn't think that that's a curse, but it's something normal that we all experience. That's a very human thing to experience, and that's just having a broken self-perception. Gwen was very loved and sheltered, and that got broken when she heard Frederick calling her ugly. And she repressed all these feelings of shame and comparison that were new to her as we talked about. And those feelings grew and grew because she didn't do anything about them. And then it slowly became the crack in the mirror that she keeps seeing now. And this conversation is so heartrending in the best way possible. We've all been in Gwen's shoes at some point, going through something difficult and not knowing how to deal with it and keeping on fixating on it out of desperation that, okay, maybe this is going to do something. Maybe this is going to help. And because we don't really have tools or any other way to deal with it. And Prez helps share with Gwen that this actually isn't healthy. That if she keeps fixating, that broken self-perception will eventually define and consume you. So Gwen is asking, you know, like, how do I help myself? How do I help this? And Prez says that the cure is to love yourself the way you are. And, you know, I love this line that the Cursed Princesses say, you give so much kindness to everyone around you, it's only fair to give it to yourself too. 
And I love that they say this to her as well, because not all of us at different points in our lives are capable of loving ourselves where we're at and meeting ourselves where we're at. And I love that they tell her until she can do it for herself, until she's built herself up to that point. It is more than okay to lean on those around her who love her. And that felt like directly a message to me too, and I'm sure to everyone else who read this, that if you feel like you can't love yourself, it is okay to lean on those around you who love you. It's such a beautiful message, and even now, in my 20s, in my late 20s, it feels evergreen, you know, because these feelings of insecurity, of shame sometimes, of feeling hurt from what other people say, you know, we have built so many more coping mechanisms as we continue to live on and experience life, but we all have moments like that because we're all experiencing new things every day. And reading this just felt like the best hug, the best reminder that we have people around us and that we're loved and that we have tools to help ourselves. And to be open to that love and to take it in and to embrace it, to not just let it pass you by. That's something that I had to learn to do in my later 20s is, you know, Sometimes people give you that love, but you also have to say yes. Yeah, that's a key lesson for Gwen, too, because that's something that she has a hard time doing from herself and from others. She loves to give love and to share care and to be thoughtful, but sometimes the most important thing we can do is to do all those things for ourselves, and that's really hard. It is, and the most wholesome part about it is that they tell Gwen that it's okay not to know right now. But, you know, just keep going forward. Absolutely. And let's talk about Frederick, too, actually, because Gwen is not the only person growing in this webtoon. Uh, we see Frederick in the beginning. He's also young. He's 17. This is a story about teenagers, you know, growing and learning. And, and Frederick, when he calls Gwen ugly, a lot of that is from his own insecurities and his own lack of acceptance of himself. Yeah, and I relate to this one very personally. I'm also the youngest of three brothers, and it's very easy to get compared to them, not just in their achievements, but in who they are, you know? People around you go, oh, aren't you so-and-so's brother? And you can feel this kind of judgment from them that makes you feel like you don't live up to their expectations, and in turn, you kind of internalize it and think that you're not living up to your own expectations. Absolutely. And that is exactly how Frederick feels. He feels overshadowed by his brothers. He doesn't feel like he belongs. He doesn't see himself as particularly gifted or particularly inclined in one way or another. He not only doesn't know where he belongs or what he should be doing, but he also is a little bit of a lonely kid. He doesn't really have true friends. He wasn't able to make friends at military school because he was made fun of and bullied for liking to read books. I mean, of all things. How ridiculous, right? But he loved to read books, and he was bullied for that. He was made fun of for that. And I think that's part of his experience, too, that he hadn't met somebody who was like a true friend to him, who really showed him care and love and friendship until he met Gwen. Not to say that it was smooth sailing completely, we did start the story, after all, with him calling her ugly. But yeah, that really is representative of where he was at that point in time. He had not taken the steps to grow. 
And the story is as much about his growth and his understanding of himself as it is about Gwen's. A lot of this comes to a head in episode 70 when he meets Whitney, who's gone through his own growth arc. He definitely has. But he realizes where his inner thoughts that are pulling him down, that are putting him down, where they're coming from. And this is such a beautiful, thoughtful scene, just a beautiful, thoughtful episode. And I love the way that they portray this because meditation is such an internal experience and self-reflection and introspection is such an internal experience. I love the way that Lambcat, shout out to you, portrayed this in such a sensitive, open manner. Frederick sits down with Whitney. He meditates. He focuses in on where his inner thoughts are coming from, the thoughts that are telling him that he's not enough, you know, all of these thoughts that are actively putting him down. And he realizes they're coming from a chest. And inside that chest where he's been locked up is a younger version of himself, young Frederick, that is saying all these things. And the reason that he feels the way he feels and the reason that he's saying these words that he's saying is because of how unloved and unaccepted young Frederick feels. And he hasn't gone back to revisit those feelings, to resolve those feelings, to be kind to those feelings. And it's that act of accepting himself and being kind to himself and forgiving himself so that he can grow and learn and move on and be better. And to most importantly, accept how he truly feels, which is that he likes Gwen. He likes how she makes him feel. He likes the kind of person that she is. And he wanted to ask her to the gala. So he did. He's finally accepted a part of himself that he's been pushing down. He's locked away for a little bit. And it's wonderful to see and very relatable. Great episodes for the both of them and great episodes for us readers too. Just, yeah, hits the nail on the head. The next webtoon we wanted to cover today is Space Boy. This webtoon is probably the most complete webtoon that Kurti and I are reading. And by complete, I mean it's so well-rounded. It doesn't do anything poorly. It's just good in all aspects of everything about it. And we wanted to touch a little bit on some of the more recent chapters, the very recent chapters, actually. So if you're not fully caught up, we're going to get into it a little bit, where Amy starts to unpack some of the trauma and, frankly, really terrible experiences with the violence and the aftermath of it. Yeah, this was so well done just because I think a lot of times violence and all this typical violent imagery that we see in movies or TV shows, we get desensitized to it a little bit, a lot of it sometimes, and we don't really internalize the actual emotional impact on our psyche when these things happen in real life. Having a gun turned on you and being chased and having someone try to kill you is a traumatizing experience. That's not something that is normal. That's something our brain is struggling to process because it is out of the normal realm of what we should be experiencing. And Amy definitely feels this it's not clearly stated that she's experiencing PTSD, but she has symptoms of it and definitely leftover trauma trying to cope 
with these experiences and with her memories. And it's very clear, you know, it is in the recent chapters, but we see hints of it even before then, the toll that it takes on her that Stephen McCraney so beautifully portrays in the story. She has vivid nightmares and she's unable to sleep peacefully. And she has panic attacks when she's triggered by images and moments that remind her of that night and take her back to that night. It's it's all very real. Yeah, and it's true to real life because a lot of the symptoms, a lot of the effects she feels sometimes are very quiet and she's by herself. And sometimes it's in front of others and she can't control it. She can't help it. And it becomes a source of shame in a way. Yeah, she's unable to manage her own emotional reaction to it because it's so raw. It's so visceral. And I mean, how could one expect her to? What she went through was traumatic and she's still reeling from it. She's still very much learning to heal. And it's not helped that Amy's tendency, which funnily enough, kind of mirrors Gwen from CPC. Her tendency is to support others and be there for others because Amy is a very emotionally intelligent and empathetic person. But she's learning her own boundaries because she tends to do this at the expense of herself. And I love the way Stephen McCraney, the author of Space Boy, addresses this in the story because it's something that she is slowly realizing by herself that while she wants to help Kiana in her moment of need, she has limits. She can only take so much because she also needs to care for herself. And it's something that is addressed by Oliver and Dr. Kim in the story too, because Oliver loves her and he wants to be with her. But Dr. Kim helps him realize, hey, think about where Amy is. What does she need right now? And how can you help with that? Yeah, and I think that's a really important point when Dr. Kim brings that up with Oliver, because it is really important to recognize when someone doesn't have the space or have the room to allow someone in, and that's perfectly okay. People need to be given space and time if they want to heal, and they also need to allow themselves that space too. Absolutely, and I love that this is a way also of teaching Oliver to really think about her and think outside of himself because it's very understandable that he is not in a, a terribly negative way, but he is a little bit selfish just because of his circumstances. He's really had a lot of things centered around him, so it makes sense. And I love that this is a way of showing Oliver, this is how you can show care for this person that you deeply care about. And that care does work. Amy does feel lighter. She does feel better after she talks with Oliver, but it's not a cure-all. It's not a one-step cures everything. And Amy still is going through this process of learning to be patient and give herself grace through this healing process. One of the recent episodes of Space Boy is such a standout in this way, episode 260. It's absolutely incredible in the conversation that Amy shares with Kiana. Amy feels frustrated and a little distressed that she's felt like she's made so much progress and now she's gotten a panic attack and she suddenly feels like she's at square one. I think this is a feeling we can all relate to, regardless of whatever it is that we're working on. When we feel like we're working hard on something and working hard to improve or get better, but then we have a setback or what we feel is a setback 
And then it feels like, ah, I'm at square one and I don't feel like I'm improving or getting any better or healing. And the conversation Kiana has with her about healing through trauma, the difference between having a scratch on your knee and having something internal that's a little bit broken is that you can't see your own healing when it's in your brain. You can't see the cut scab up. You can't see the skin patch over it and start to heal with the new skin. You can't see all that. And we know our brains lie to ourselves sometimes. And the way that she puts it, I love the way she puts it. Months and years can pass. And then all of a sudden you'll experience, let's say, a panic attack. You'll experience a panic attack and feel like you're at square one. Does that negate all that other time, all that other energy and effort, and all that healing? No, it doesn't. It just means you had a bad day. And we all have bad days. Gourmet Hound is a webtoon that's been completed for a while, but we are still thinking about it. The webtoon's official genre is Slice of Life, but the premise of Gourmet Hound is the main character, Lucy Fuji, being on a mission to find the elusive Dimanche taste that is now lost. Dimanche is a famous restaurant that is across the street from where her and her grandmother used to live, and beneath the trappings of this Slice of Life Mystery is really a story about Lucy and her journey in dealing with her own grief and finding support and new love around her. So Lucy had really only her grandmother growing up because her parents had died really young and had already lost her. Her grandmother had already passed before our story begins. And Lucy is a really capable young woman but you do see symptoms of her grief creep through in the way that she handles things and the way that she views life. She feels like she needs to handle everything on her own. You notice this about her pretty quickly. She feels like she needs to work really hard. She can only really depend on herself. And she is loath to depend on other people around her, even people who love and care about her very much, even people who she trusts so much. It's very difficult for her to do that. And that's directly related to her experience of feeling like people are going to leave her and having had people leave her alone, you know, unwillingly, obviously, like this is not something like she was abandoned, but she really does feel like she's the only person that she can depend on. And the story is really about her journey in dealing with her grief and missing her grandmother. And she builds slowly new friendships and a found family which is such a big component of this webtoon, actually, and it's one of my favorite tropes in storytelling, is a found family, you know, friendships, strong friendships, and finding your own people. And that's what she does. She builds that family with Clementine and Meyer, the fruit trio, Graham, Brie, and Gourmet Hound, and, of course, her old stalwarts, Joanna and Walt. And her journey to find this taste really mirrors her journey to find and to hold on to her grandmother as well.
because it's an integral part of her relationship with her grandma was the way that they loved food. Lucy has a heightened sense of taste and smell, and her grandma was a cooking instructor. She owned a cooking school, and that's core to their relationship. I love the way Lee Hama wrote the story and the conclusion, the solution to the mystery of what happened to that unique dimanche taste that Lucy grew up eating, that she grew up loving, and that she has associated so many wonderful cherished memories with. What happened to that taste and the fact that it was her grandma's love for her, the little notes that she would write to the chefs, change this up, do this a little bit differently because this is what Lucy would like. It was so beautiful and touching, and it wasn't really about finding that notebook. It was about going through that journey, making these relationships, and in her quest to reunite all of these different people from this old restaurant, because there's so much more that we're even covering in this story, so much grief and loss that is not associated with just Lucy and her grandmother, but the healing, or at least the beginning of the healing that happens in this story is so profound. And one of my favorite episodes is episode 153, when Colby, the nephew of Stephen Bartlett, explains his perspective on grief and how he's learned to deal with it and how he has learned to cope with the massive loss of his father. He had feelings that he would hold in about his dad for the longest time. And then over time, slowly, he would give pieces of his heart to other people. And it couldn't be the same relationship that he had for his dad. It couldn't be the same love that he had for his dad. But they became important in their own right to him. The point being that new people in your life, your new family, your found family, whoever it is, they can't replace the person that you lost. But that's not the point. The point is that they're also irreplaceable to you. And that we need to treasure these people as best as we can and accept the love around us as best as we can, even when we're hurting. I'm so grateful, personally, to Gourmet Hound for this message. I have people in my life close to me that have dealt with some devastating losses of people that they really loved. And episodes like this, stories like this, it not only gave me a window into what they experienced, or what they may experience, but grief and loss is something that we all deal with. And if we haven't dealt with it yet, we will deal with it at some point in our lives. And having a story that deals with it so humanely, so kindly, so compassionately as Gourmet Hound is a real treat. And I'm grateful that this story exists in the world. Freaking Romance is another webtoon that touches on some very important themes, specifically regarding Zilith and her family life. If you read Freaking Romance and thought that Zilith's family is difficult, you'd be right, but there's a little more to it. I want to focus in on Zilith's dad specifically, because some people may brush him off as just a comically evil parent who is just out to get their kid and uh, exert their will and just sort of progress the plot forward. But I wanted to speak more on this because 
Zilla's dad is a real person. They exist out there in the world. A parent who is uncaring, who is unempathetic, and is dismissive of their kid because they believe they know what is best. And while they may not fit the clinical definition, they exude traits of narcissism, and it is very toxic and also sometimes difficult to recognize. As someone with a narcissistic parent, I would not be surprised if this particular parent acted like this because they believed that they knew what was best for me and that they would do anything, including trampling on any kind of personal boundary or respect that I may have. And this is where Zilith struggles, struggles to deal struggles to understand what the concept of love is because the love she receives from her parents is twisted, it's harmful, it's toxic, it's not what a caring person would do, and it's hard for her to see past that. And a lot of the time spent with Zilith in freaking romance is spent her parsing through a lot of these emotions, a lot of these repressed feelings, and also talking about it with other characters, and she gets more and more perspective on her situation as she does so. It's in chapter 10 that we see what Zilla's dad looks like and how transactional and uncaring he is, really. And as the webtoon goes on, Zilith slowly, surely but slowly, takes in the lesson that we have to make our own happiness, find our own love, and surround ourselves with people who do care about us, who will offer their love to us, and who do want the best for you. Absolutely. And that is definitely a part of Zilla's journey. It really, throughout the whole series, is facing her relationship with love and how it hasn't been the greatest, and then kind of taking it upon herself to find a way to have healthy love in her life. Speaking of unhealthy relationship dynamics, Lore Olympus is a webtoon that tackles rape and sexual trauma in a very real way. So many of Persephone's feelings and experiences around her assault and rape by Apollo are so real and hit so close to home for many of us who have experienced that. Her feelings of, first of all, confusion, it's disorienting, and you can see that in the aftermath of that event, that she's off kilter. Her brain is struggling to kind of comprehend. And it's really, it's in survival mode, basically. And those feelings of confusion are not just limited to having everything be a blur. It's also connected to her questions about consent. And this is very real, where she feels like it's on her because she said yes. And it's true that sometimes there can be gray areas with consent, but that is not the case with what happened with Apollo. And we'll go more into that later on when we talk about episode 66. But she does feel this sense of confusion where it's like, I messed up. You know, she said yes. So it's on her that she had some responsibility in that decision. She didn't. And we see the impact of this trauma too spreading in other ways other than verbally. We get to see these small ways that are not even necessarily spoken about. It's just there for you to pick up if you pick up on it. 
little details like the fact that Persephone can't sleep in her own bed anymore, and that she changed the sheets of the bed, and she calls Hades because she doesn't feel safe. That is what she needs to sleep in her bed again. She needs to be comforted and to fall asleep in the arms of someone that she feels safe and comfortable in because she doesn't feel safe there anymore. And the fact that, you know, Eros's house is a place that she goes to where she also feels safe. Her house doesn't feel like that anymore. The house that she stays in with Artemis doesn't feel like that anymore. Eros's house does. And the other bigger things that Persephone has to deal with are so real too. One, she has to face her rapist again and again. A lot of times. I'm not trying to pull out any statistics, but more frequently than people think, your assailant, your rapist, the person who assaulted you, is someone that you know. It's not a stranger. And they can be a person that is integrated in your life in a significant way. You know, whether they be in your family, in your close circle of friends, or someone that you have to see over and over again, like a person who is in a power of position over you. Persephone has to face her rapist again and again. He is Artemis's brother, and he is not going away. He is persisting in his pursuit of her. The other thing that is so real is worry of fallout from TGOEM. Who hasn't worried about something like that, some experience you've had, and worried about how it would negatively affect you? Not the person who harmed you, but you, the person who experienced that harm. That's not a unique situation. And the way that Rachel portrays this, and portrays all of this actually, because this is all, these are all real experiences that people have. There are people who can't sleep in their own beds anymore. There are people who need to go somewhere else to find a safe place. Added to that, one more thing, is having to deal with the fallout of the photos. And that goes back to worry about fallout, about her status, or just what might happen to her should someone find out. And having that held over your head, it's a horrifying thing to experience for anybody. And people in the real world may experience this in different ways, from different things. That person in position of power may hold something over you. You risk fallout with friends or family members if you disclose something that you were harmed. Persephone is a goddess, but her experiences mirror many of those in the mortal world, in real life. And I'm very grateful to the way that Rachel portrays these struggles because it's, pun unintended, humanized and portrayed so lovingly for our main character who is hurting, who we care so much about, who we want to help, and, and even for her to get help. And for many of us, when it comes to just ourselves, any harm that we're holding in from other people, it's not always easy to confront the abuser, the assailant, the person who assaulted you, or even to make sure that that person pays or there are repercussions for the way that they harmed you. And this is something Persephone does, and it struck me just how true it is that when it comes to someone else being potentially harmed or someone else being in danger from that person, we will go for greater lengths our protective instincts kick in for other people, to help other people, in a way that it's not always easy to do for ourselves. And that's a real, that's a very real thing that Rachel just nailed on the head in terms of the experience of what it is to be, you know, femme, feminine, a woman, 
and not every sexual assault victim is a woman, definitely not, but as a woman myself, this is something that I have experienced, that I have seen from other people too, that I can't speak for anyone else's experience from, and I definitely commend Rachel for approaching this topic in such a manner because it's so real and it hits to the core for so many people, more people than it should, more people than it really should. But when a webtoon like this that emphasizes consent, that emphasizes boundaries, healthy communication, is able to handle such a sensitive topic, such a real human experience in this way, it's just, it's a wonderful portrayal. And, you know, I'm grateful for Rachel for sharing the character of Persephone and her experiences in this way, especially when it comes to an episode like episode 66. And this is where Persephone is finally able to share her experience and what happened with her with one other person. Because up until now, she's been keeping it to herself. And that's real too. It's not always easy to talk about something right away, especially because it can take a long time for you to figure out what even happened to you. And Eros in this episode gives Persephone everything that she needed. He shows up for her 100,000%. And I'm so grateful that this webtoon gives an example of what a strong friend, what a loving, caring friend does for someone in that situation and how they can be there for them. Because Eros listens to her needs without question. He's there for her. He's supportive. He validates her experience. When she says, I messed up, he says, no, Apollo messed up. This is not on you. And then he tells her, he offers her clarity without, you know, obviously stepping over her or over her experience, but he offers clarity on what she experienced and validates for her that it was not right, that this should not have happened, and is there for her when she wants to process something. And he offers his house as a safe haven, like, he doesn't want her to be alone. He's there with her. She feels safe around him. And another little detail that I loved in this episode, too, was the way Eros found out one of the hardest things sometimes after experiencing something traumatic is having to talk about it again and having to explain it to somebody again, especially if you're in a situation like Persephone is in, where your brain is muddled, everything is blurred, and it's hard to talk about it and piece through what happened. I love the way this webtoon allows Persephone to convey to Eros what happened. He says, let me just, you know, see what happened. And he's able to experience it with her. And she doesn't have to say a word to explain. And these situations are rare because people are different. And they go through different experiences. And sometimes that's the reality of it. You have to explain a little bit for someone else to understand. But when you don't have to, it is a treasured thing. It is a beautiful thing. And I'm so glad that Persephone had that experience because it is so difficult to do, especially when you have to do it multiple times. And sometimes it gets easier and sometimes it fluctuates when it's easy sometimes and then it gets harder again. And you just have to live with that. That's the process of healing and trying to figure out a good way to live for yourself more than anybody. And Persephone's not through in her healing journey. But this was certainly a beautiful episode. There are many others, but to me, this was a standout episode in how Persephone finally got to share something that had been bothering her, something traumatic and hurtful, 
that had been hurting her with a person who cares about her, who loves her, and who is able to help her feel supported and cared about and loved. And sometimes that's all we can ask for. As we've been saying this whole episode, healing is not linear. And sometimes we deal with things throughout our whole lifetimes, and that's okay. But having solid friends and support like this does make it easier. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Webtoon Room. This may not have been the easiest episode to listen to, but thank you so much for being here and hearing us out. And do take care of yourself. Yes, please. You all are very important to us, and we're very grateful to have you listen in on what we have to share about Webtoons. And this is such a, an important episode for us to do. It's something that we both felt very strongly about and absolutely will. I'm going to echo you here. Please take care of yourselves. We love you all very much. We'll see you next week. Bye.